Welcome to the Sadler Lectures podcast. Responding to popular demand, I'm converting my philosophy videos into sound files you can listen to anywhere you can take an MP3. If you like what you hear and want to support my work, go to patreon.com sadler. I hope you enjoy this lecture. Alcuin of York, in his treatise on virtues and vices, is going to make use of, by that time, a traditional schema of the eight capital vices, which comes from earlier monastic authors centuries before Evagrius Ponticus, and then most notably John Cassian. These are going to get turned into the seven deadly sins. So if you're thinking when you hear these about the seven deadly sins, well, that's coming from Gregory the Great, who takes the eight capital vices and changes up the list a little bit, but the first three are going to remain rather constant. So here we're going to talk about gluttony, gula, lust, in Alcuin's case, fornicatio, sometimes also libido or other Latin terms, and then greed or avarice, avaritia. And he devotes three chapters to these chapters 28, 29, and 30. He is also going to be discussing greed as well well in chapter 19, which is about avoiding fraud. And you can say, well, how does that connect with greed? Well, you engage in fraud because of greed. And he says some interesting things about it there. So let's start out with gluttony. He says gluttony is the first of the corporeal or corporal sins or vices. And he uses the word sin there, peccatum, right? And he tells us that through this, the first parents of the human race lost the happiness or felicity of paradise and were ejected into the wretched misery of this life where we are born through sin, live through work, and die through sorrow. So it's interesting here that there's a little bit of discussion of typically we think of the first sin as being one of disobedience, but it's also in this case for Alcuin, gluttony. And what is gluttony? Well, he tells us it's intemperate desire, one way to translate it, voluptas, for food and drink. And I want to linger on this word voluptas for a moment. It's not just desire, it's taking pleasure within these things in in one mode or another. So why do you have that desire? Because eating, you know, tasty stuff is kind of fun, right? Uh, Drinking could be about the act of actually drinking things, or it could be about the intoxication. Food and drink do things to our bodies that we like. So he tells us this seems to live in people in three ways. Now that seems is saying, I'm not saying that this is the only possible ways in which we can have this sin or vice arising, but these are three main ways. And the first one is very interesting. He says, when a person desires to anticipate the canonical and statuary hours for the sake of greed, what does this mean? Well, remember, Alcuin is a monk. So within the monastery, you don't just like go over and open up the fridge and look inside, you know, around midnight and say, hmm, I've got a taste for something. I don't know what it is. No, no, no. I mean, they don't have refrigerators to begin with, but you get the idea. You don't go to the the kitchen or the larder and start poking around. You are supposed to eat and drink at specified times. So, you know, having a kind of routine for eating, that's one way in which gluttony might express itself. Another that he says, which is really, really interesting, has to do with expensive foods orders more expensive foods prepared for himself. And now notice there's two characteristics here. Then the needs of the body or the quality of his person demands. 
So in a certain sense, if you're like, well, I only eat the best foods. I don't eat a lot of things, but I, I eat really, really good food. You know, is that what's required for the health of your body? I suppose if you're not being precious about it or being kind of silly about it or elitist about it, no, you can actually eat very cheaply quite well if you, you know, learn how to cook and how to shop and stuff like that. So the people who require better food or more expensive food, food than they, they actually need for health or, as he says, their station demands. Why is he saying that? Well, this is the Middle Ages, right? So he's writing to a guy who's a noble, right? And amounts. Now, this is what we're usually thinking about in terms of gluttony, eating more than you actually need to, taking more and eating and drinking because of desires of intemperance than may profit his health. So you know how, notice health is being discussed again. And so, you know, these are problems. This is a issue that's going to lead to other issues. Let's move on to lust, fornicatio. Now, it can also be translated directly as fornication. And what does that mean? Usually, you know, in the Middle Ages, it means screwing anybody who isn't your spouse or engaging in sexual acts, you know, that, that aren't oriented towards your, your spouse. But he expands it. He doesn't just include sexuality there. He says that it is all uncleanness immunditia of body, right? And where does this come from? It comes from incontinence of desire, libidinous, meaning giving into desire when you know that you're not supposed to be. And this, now this could be lust, right? A libido, right? But also weakness, molitia, softness is another way of describing it, of the soul. So it could pertain to more than just having sex. It could also pertain to you know, taking it too easy, basking in the sun all day, remaining sleeping in your bed until noon. You know, there's this wonderful verse in Proverbs that talks about the sluggard rolls on his bed like a door on its hinges. I mean, we might associate that with sloth instead, but you know, this could actually part be part of lust. And he says that, you know, the soul should be in charge and command the flesh and the flesh should be the servant and obey her mistress. That is the rational soul. How does this happen? Now, he uses sort of gendered sexual language here because he's writing to a guy who's a guy, count guy, right? And he says that it can happen through the mingling of flesh with whatever woman, right? Any woman whatsoever, right? So uh, that's what he has in mind for, for guy, but really it could be the mingling of flesh with anybody, right? Or again, any other uncleanness in satisfying the ardor of desire, what it is that our bodies want that isn't directly concerned with, say, food and drink, but other things that feel good to us. Then we have the third, greed or avarice. And here we're moving out of primarily bodily vices into one that's much more spiritual, one that's centered in the person's soul. Avarice is another word for greed, right? And it's an excessive desire. And notice that he says three things here. Excessive desire of acquiring, excessive desire of having, or excessive desire of keeping riches. So it's not just the desire to acquire, it's also the desire to, to have and to retain, to keep, to keep our hands on riches. And these could be property, these could be money, these could be beautiful clothing, these could be houses, these could be vehicles, these could be all sorts of other things as well. 
And he tells us that, now this is very interesting. It's a deadly filling up, like the dropsical man who the more he drinks, the more added thirst increases for him. So dropsy was a, a common disease or at least a symptom of disease that would lead people to keep on, they would be thirsty and they would keep on drinking water, more water than was good for them. And eventually we know that you'll urinate all your electrolytes out and it's not good for you. And eventually you have all sorts of health problems, but you don't realize it while it's happening. Well, the same thing happens with the greedy person, except it's not about water, it's about wealth wealth and its measures. It could just be about totally fictional things like numbers in bank accounts that are, you know, electronic transactions that only exist. Think about all the imaginary wealth that was lost when the valuations of things declined in economic crises, right? After, you know, big, what we call bubbles. So he says, the more that a person has, the more they desire more. And since there's no moderation in this having, greed cannot moderate itself there will be no moderation in desiring. And, you know, again, he talks about this a bit in that section about avoiding fraud. He says that, you know, people get mixed up, right? Say avariciously, say greedily, say wickedly. What have you acquired? Perhaps you say, I have acquired gold and you say the truth, but is gold really going to benefit you? And so there's kind of a mistaken view prioritization, you could say, about what's genuinely valuable. In that section on avoiding fraud, he says, why do you not fear to lose those things that God wanted you to have in your heart? You have gold or silver or another thing precious in its place, but damage in your heart. With these things, you've lost the better riches. So the person who's suffering from greed is, is actually going to make other people suffer too. And this is something we should talk about, but they can't see the damage that they're actually doing to themselves and that they can't make themselves happy. He tells us that it's the opposite of mercy and almsgiving. It's the opposite of generosity. It's the opposite of doing the right things with the wealth that we have. And that's why it's such a capital vice. Now, he also is going to tell us that each of these vices leads to a whole host of other things, a whole host of other vices and sins. Let's work our way backwards from greed. What does greed lead to? He calls this the offspring of it, envies. If you're greedy, you're going to be envious of other people, right? Theft, highway robberies, homicide, lies, perjury, pillaging, violence, restlessness, unjust judgments, contempt of truth, forgetfulness of future blessedness, hardness of heart. What a wide range of things. Being greedy is going to lead to playing fast and loose with the rules that should govern any civilized society and any relations with other people. It can lead to murder. People kill each other over money. They rob each other. They lie about all sorts of things. Perjury, lying in a court of law, violence, unjust judgments. It can lead to cognitive deficits, right? Contempt of truth. If it stands in the way of me making money, well, then I'm not going to believe in it. Forgetfulness of future blessedness, think, not thinking about, you know, the life to come. Hardness of heart. You know, the kind of person who in the 1980s, it was proverbial, would walk past a homeless person and say, get a job. I mean, people still do that today and they don't think about how they should help those who are misfortunate. Why? Because they're greedy. They desire to keep what they have. They desire to have more wealth. They won't open up their wallet, so to speak. 
Well, let's work our way backwards. What about lust? What does this lead to? So he tells us what is coming from that blindness of the mind. <laughs> you know, well, think about the kind of blindness that's involved in hookup culture and jumping into bed with people, you know, and then waking up and being like, oh, this was a big mistake, right? Sometimes we used to joke about beer goggles that people would put on or jumping into bed with somebody at the end of bar time. Inconstancy of the eyes, not being able to be in charge of what you're going to look at. Immoderate love of the whole body. Again, not just sexual. It could be about, well, I need to have a massage every single day or I'm not okay, right? Peril of life. Well, you know, if you screw around, you can sometimes run into people who are mad about that. Lewdness, jokes, petulance, and all incontinence. Hatred of the mandates of God, weakness of mind, and unjust desires. Negligence of the future life, delight of the present. So a lot of things that can come out of lust as well. What about gluttony? Are there problems that come out of gluttony besides health issues? Well, he says from this is born unsuitable merriment, which is being joking in the wrong ways, scurrility, levity, empty talk, uncleanliness of the body, instability of mind, drunkenness, desire, sense from fullness of the belly, desire of the body is prepared, which is best conquered through fastings and abstinence. This goes to an old idea, which is that you need to control gluttony because when you're feeling, you know, good, and this may be sort of a function of like people not having enough food or, you know, other factors like that. It's felt that when you're satisfied physically, then you can start to lapse into all sorts of other vices as well, that when you're more concerned about how am I going to eat, that isn't quite such an issue. Now, each of these is also posed by a virtue, but we, we can talk about that elsewhere. So you notice that these capital vices, gluttony, lust, and greed are indeed capital vices. They lead to a lot of other problems. Alcuin is providing the reader with some brief discussions of each of them, allowing them to be identified and to understand how and why they're problematic. Special thanks to all of my Patreon supporters for making this podcast possible. You can find me on Twitter at Philosopher70, on YouTube at the Gregory B. Sadler channel, and on Facebook on the Gregory B. Sadler page. Once again, to support my work, go to patreon.com Sadler. Above all, keep studying these great philosophical works.